The following audio is the recording of a sermon delivered at St. Rose Community Church. You can visit our website at strosecc.org. Psalm 5 Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But... Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, God, uh, for allowing us to get to, to pray to you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning you would just use this, this psalm to speak to us, God, to lead us, Lord, to you. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us all to be together here this morning at church. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to notice is the desperation in David's voice. Look at verses 1 and 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. So this is not a light-hearted conversation with God. David is desperate for God to listen to him. He is crying, he is groaning, he just wants his words to reach the ear of God. So I just want to ask you, have you ever prayed like this? Have you ever been in a moment where you were desperate for God to listen to you? These are the prayers we normally pray when, when our life is really kind of falling apart. When we're depressed, uh, when someone is dying, when we are sick, when we are discouraged, when we're dealing with loss. The end, the end of a relationship. There are these times in life that cause us to become desperate for God to hear us, to listen to us. 
And we pray things like David prays in verse 2. He says, My King and my God, for to you do I pray. David in this moment, though he may be a king, recognizes that he needs God. There is a king far greater than him that he is desperate to speak with. Now look at verse 3 and just pay attention to the time of day that David prays. He says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. So David brings his prayer to God in the morning. Why is that? Why do you think David prays to the Lord in the morning instead of waiting to the evening? Well, David prays in the morning because he is so utterly dependent upon God. He wants to pray in the morning because he doesn't want to wait till the evening to pray to God. He doesn't want, to, want that prayer not to happen. So, truth number one is morning prayer is an expression of our dependence on God. Morning prayer is an expression of our dependence on God. Now, I want to clarify that the Bible does not command us to pray at a certain time or in the morning. We're not just commanded to, do, to pray in the morning. However, praying in the morning is a great way we can show our dependence upon God. And prayer is, uh, praying in the morning is a great way to show uh, or to ensure that prayer actually happens during our day. We often don't pray because our day starts and uh, we get distracted. We never, we never talk with God. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus prayed early in the morning. There was this instance where he was followed by great crowds, big crowds. So he had to take a moment in the morning to go pray to his father. Listen to Mark 1, verse uh, 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. There he prayed. So Jesus considered prayer so important that he did whatever he needed to do to ensure that it happened during his day. So both Jesus and David recognized the value of praying in the morning. Another reason why David prays in the morning is he believes God will answer him. He believes prayer is productive which is often the reason why we don't pray, because we want to be productive. But David believes that prayer is productive. Look at verse 3. At the end of verse 3, he says, he says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. You may be wondering, what does David mean by sacrifice? He's presenting a sacrifice before God. Well, most English translations actually say, I present my request before you, or present my prayers. So the whole idea here, the ESV says, I present a sacrifice. But the whole idea here is that David is taking his request and he is laying them before God, just like a Jew would lay a sacrifice at the feet of God. And it's interesting because he lays his request before God 
and he watches to see what God will do. David anticipates that God will respond and answer his prayer. And that's how we ought to pray. It would have been very strange if David would have got up early to present his request to God only to believe that God's not going to hear him and not going to answer. We should pray to God knowing that he hears us and he will answer in a way that brings him the most glory. And in verses 4 through 6, David provides the reason he is so sure that God will answer his prayer. And he gives us a clue to what he's praying about. He does this by presenting this contrast between God's nature and his relationship with evil. He says in verses 4 through 6, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So here David gives us the impression that he is praying against wicked people. And the reason he is so sure God will answer his prayer is because he knows that God will judge the wicked. He is praying in a way that is in alignment with God's will. But you may be wondering, how is David not just condemning himself here? Isn't David a sinner as well? Well, he is. And this really gets to the heart of, uh, of our greatest problem as people. How can we as sinners be in the presence of the Holy God? How is that possible? How can David approach God in this moment if God is holy and just? Look at verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. David has no good quality about himself that allows him to approach God. David doesn't have some merit that allows him to enter God's house. He does so because of God's steadfast love towards him. So where is God's house in the Old Testament? God's house is the temple, and at this point, the temple is a tent. And what makes the temple so special is not what it is made out of, but what's inside. The temple housed the spiritual presence of God. So when David says, I will enter your house, he is talking about entering God's presence. Again, how is that possible if David is a sinner? It's possible through God's steadfast love. Truth number two, prayer is only possible because of God's steadfast love. Prayer is only possible because of God's steadfast love. What is steadfast love? So think about this. Steadfast love is like this. It's just like a constant, never-changing love that even though we sin, God doesn't give up on the human race. His love remains 
steadfast. And the perfect manifestation of God's steadfast love is Jesus Christ. Even though we have all done evil and disobeyed God in every way, Jesus loved us so much that he came to earth to die for us so that we could be in God's presence. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Jesus showed that God's love for us is steadfast. So now, after David has gone before the Lord, he has entered God's house, he is now finally going to present his request before God in verse 8. He says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. This, un- this verse unveils the reason David is writing and praying in this psalm. He is coming before God to ask for God to lead him. Which leads to, to truth number three. We need God's leadership. We need God's leadership. Notice the reason he asked, he, David is asking God for leadership. He says, because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. So David is contrasting the evil leadership that he is getting from the people around him versus the righteous leadership of God. David's enemies are trying to deceive him and lead him down paths that are evil. Listen to, listen to how David describes what they're saying in verse 9. David says, For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. So David's enemies, they speak with a flattering tongue. They tempt David. But the problem is what they're saying is not true. In fact, David even says that their advice stinks like an open grave. I just want to say today that that David's situation is not unique. All of us are being tempted every day to listen to worldly voices and allow them to lead our life. Voices that tell us things like follow your heart and not God. Or find happiness in sin but not God. There is a serious leadership battle going on in your life. We're all faced with the question, who are we going to allow to lead our life, God or sinful man? My hope is that you will be like David and trust God to lead your life, to go to Him for leadership, to trust what He has said in His Word to lead you. Whenever you're in a situation where you don't really know what to do or what to believe, you should go and ask God for leadership. And you should go to his word and see what his word says about what you're, what you're wondering about. 
And another gift that God has given us is the church. He has given us believers around us that we can go to who can help us understand God's will and God's word. The problem is that allowing evil to rule your life, it only leads to destruction. Listen to what David says in verse 10. He says, Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions. Cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. There will come a day when all the people who have rejected God or who reject God will bear their guilt, fall by their own counsels, and be cast out. Leadership that is not of God leads to destruction. But here's the point I want us all to realize. All of us have failed to follow God's leadership. All of us have failed to follow God's leadership. We have all chosen to do evil. Listen to how David describes the condition of man in Psalm chapter 53, verses 2 and 3. He says, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So what's the difference between David and his enemies? Well, look at, look at verses 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So David and his enemies, they're both sinners. They're both sinful. The difference is David recognizes his sin and he goes to God for refuge. He recognizes his need for God. Truth number four, God blesses those who take refuge in him. God blesses those who take refuge in him. Think for a moment about what refuge is. A refuge is a safe place. A refuge is a place of protection from harm. David even says in verse 11, it's a place where they sing for joy. The people who take refuge in God are, as David describes, they are the ones who love God's name. And exult or rejoice in him. Verse 12 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. The refuge that God offers us is a safe place that is joy-filled. So just think, what, what protection does the Lord offer us today? 
Well, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The protection that God gives us through Christ is that we would have eternal life, that we would never perish, and that nobody can snatch us out of His hand. It's important to notice here that the protection that God provides us in Christ is not based on our ability to do good, but it's based on Christ's ability to keep us from falling away from Him. God blesses those who take refuge in Him. At the beginning of this psalm, David is groaning, he is crying, he is desperate for God to listen to him. But at the end of this psalm, he is singing with joy. What changed? It's not that God gave him all the answers, but David recognized the protection he has in the Lord. He believed that God would protect him. So he rejoiced. I want you to know today that God offers us a safe refuge in Christ. So that even when things don't seem to be going well, when there are wicked uh, voices around us trying to tempt us and lead us astray, that God is still protecting us, keeping us from falling away from him. If, you're a, if you are not a Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you to go to Christ for refuge. And the way you do that is by repenting of your sin and trusting in Christ to save you. All of us are guilty of not following God's righteous leadership. We are all guilty of sin before the Holy God. And like David's enemies, without Christ, we will, bear, we will bear our guilt before the holy God and be cast out. But the good news is that God offers us a safe place of refuge in Christ. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said hundreds of years before Christ came to earth. He said in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You don't need to bear your guilt because Christ has already came and done what is needed so that we could be in right relationship with God. He lived a sinless life that we failed to live and offered himself on our behalf as a substitute so that we could be right with God, so that we can be in God's presence. Jesus is the mediator between God and man, and he is inviting you to take refuge in him. I want to just leave you with this word. 
allow Christ to lead your life, trust that his leadership is better than any other. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to get to, to read and study Psalm 5, Lord. Lord, I just pray, God, that this message, Lord, would instill trust in those who are here in your leadership. Lord, that you lead us in the ways that are right and true. Lord, you lead us to you. You lead us to eternal life. You protect us, Lord. You keep us from falling away from you. Lord, God, I pray, Lord, this week that all of us here would wake up in the morning wanting to talk to you and rely on you. Lord God, for leadership, Lord, I just pray so much, Lord, that we would be more dependent upon you tomorrow and today than we were before. In Jesus' name, amen.